Welcome to the China Team China webinar, German Manufacturing Machines for Future Chinese Red Ocean, special edit for Chanfang Wang, in partnership with Asia Biz Stories. So now I will hand over to Xiaolong Hu. Thank you, Nebo, uh, for your kind words. Can you hear me? Yes. And first of all, I would like to introduce to you uh, Ms. Changfang Wang. She is founder of China um, Expert Service, uh, CES. And uh, with today's moderation, I hope I could qualify for her uh, for his uh, for her high-level expert network. Maybe we can have a, a separate discussion later on. Looking forward for a cooperation with you then. And her um, expertise um, of about 13 years uh, working experience are in automation, in warehouse technology, uh, corporate strategy, and uh, digitalization in, in China. So Changfan, um, my question to you is, so what's your company do and what experience do you have in China? Yeah, so thank you, Xiaolong, for your uh, brief introduction. So uh, I'm Changfan, and uh, I started roughly Digital China Europe Network in 2018. And uh, currently, I'm the founder of China Expert Services. So we are uh, helping the Chinese high-tech uh, SMEs expand to Europe. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we help uh, uh, European high-tech SMEs uh, expand and digitize in China. Uh, as Xiaolong mentioned, that uh, uh, China's government uh, has put a, a huge focus on digitalization initiatives. Um, so uh, we have experts in the network ranging from uh, IoT, robotics, um, big data, uh, autonomous driving, uh, and so on. So uh, we we are um, we aim to provide a educational uh, program for those uh, German and European high-tech companies who are interested in expanding to China. Okay, thank you, Changfan. So you are clearly an uh, expert in terms of digitization and innovation today, and thank you for coming. Um, what kind of trend do you see in near future, I think in your, in your specialized area, automated warehousing market in China? Yeah, so um, what I see actually from the period of 2015 to 20, so last uh, five to six years, um, China in the area of automated warehousing market had a leapfrog. So uh, just to put this in context, so in Europe, uh, so majority of the leaders in this automated warehouse industry, they're from Europe and Jap Japan and uh, America, but a lot of them are Europeans. So top three, um, they have 85 years experience to 200 years of experience in automation in the warehousing. <laughs> And the Chinese uh, players, they had like in the past 20 years development in this area. And uh, so in the first 15 years from 2000 to 2015, um, they, there's uh, like a catching up going on um, because they didn't have anything. So they are following the footsteps of European companies and American and uh, Japanese. But starting in 2015, uh, there is a leapfrog uh, in terms of jumping into the next uh, era of uh, automation 
using robotics um, because robotics automation actually provides a more flex more flexibility. Um, so one example of that is uh, in the area of parcel sortation. So in Europe, traditionally, a lot of parcel sortation centers are equipped with sorters, so fixed automation equipment. And in roughly, there's a company in Hangzhou. Um, so the, the person actually actually studied in Germany as a PhD, but he went back to China and he uh, invented a robotic solution concept, which is based on robots, um, very flexible and very scalable. You don't need to put a lot of investment up front. So that gives the Chinese customers who don't have so much money to invest in automation in the beginning, uh, the opportunity to taste automation. And that's how this company expanded. And now the company actually is uh, like coming also to Europe and also to the other markets like the US as well. So definitely, I think I see like the leapfrogging in China in terms of automation, like really rethinking how you can provide uh, flexible automation in the warehouse industry. And uh, another thing in China is like um, in the low automation segment, there's only 13 represent 13 percent of the total automation market um, because um, uh, this low automation is basically picking with software. And um, in Europe, you have like 33 percent. So majority of the automation currently in warehousing marketing in China is actually in the mid to high automation. There's a huge uh, mid automation market there and then with um, growing high automation uh, like segments right now. So I think going forward, uh, China is going to um, continue to, uh, let's say, uh, uh, have this uh, um, new automation, modern, more modernized automation uh, technologies instead of like fixed uh, automation equipment, which we see here in the past hundred years. So um, that's what I see. And then they also they are really took, taking on new business models. So, for example, you can rent, uh, you can uh, rent for your peak season to handle certain order picking. Uh, you can uh, pay per pick or pay per performance. So all these newer business models are being already uh, adopted by Chinese companies. Uh, they are very open uh, to these uh, like uh, newer methods of uh, um, automation business models. Yeah, thank you, Chanfang. <clears throat> Let me recap what we have also um, uh, told us, and it's very interesting to uh, review this, what you just uh, contributed in the last minutes, you all three. And first of all, we listened to uh, Tianyu um, European Machinery Company take China as a sourcing market and later on as production market and uh, in, uh, in the years uh, around 2010 and step into the Chinese market to have own location. And Martin said uh, a Chinese um, machinery company uh, or Chinese machinery industry is getting more competent because of uh, more experts are available. And um, Changfang, you indicate that um, Chinese companies are even innovating and do some new business models and step into the European market as well. Although uh, your experience are in the uh, warehousing automation area, but I think this is uh, can be also reflect to the all other machinery area as well, um, as we are all um, do business in this uh, this industry. We we know this uh, this trend, and 
Yeah, you can see how big is the Chinese market and how many competitors that you can be facing in, in China. Um, but some of the machinery uh, producers from Germany will still lie back and sit back and say, oh, they are not uh, competitive enough. It's only uh, strength in numbers, so to say. Yeah? But what, what about today, uh, Chang Fang? And uh, how has the, I think, the... Um, competitiveness uh, about uh, uh, in, in the automated warehouse market change in China over the last five years in, in terms of competitiveness of the Chinese uh, producers? Yeah, so, um, well, over the, let's say, past uh, 10 years, uh, five to 10 years, uh, a lot of Chinese uh, local companies in this uh, automated warehouse industry they definitely increased the product quality um, and the solution com competence. Solution competence, I mean system integration competence. Uh, prior to that, um, there are not a lot of Chinese companies. They don't have the product and they don't have the competence to integrate anything in the automation uh, sector. So, um, so yes, now actually, um, uh, last year, uh, four, six out of four, top 10 competitors, uh, uh, top players in this market in China, they are actually Chinese. Um, 10 to uh, 20 years ago, I think number, number, uh, maybe one or two Chinese. So, so you can see that actually uh, there are more and more local Chinese uh, companies who are becoming a lot more competitive. Of course, they have price advantage. Uh, they are typically 30 to 50% cheaper than the uh, international players uh, from Europe, Jap Japan. And um, but they also provide a uh, um, better customer service. Uh, so Chinese companies, they have typically lower hourly rate if you go to the site uh, of the customer. And they also provide uh, additional things like free offer for the first year. Or like you can uh, have like uh, 24 hour service in double 11. So they offer these, uh, um, let's say, special services to their customers, especially Chinese customers. And that's how they actually become more competitive compared to the international players who have a more standard offering. And then also in the area of uh, innovation, the Chinese uh, um, local companies are more open-minded. So one company, they cooperated with Ali Cloud on cloud computing and uh, IoT. So they can, so you can monitor your let's say a Chinese tobacco factory from raw material until finished goods, end-to-end um, -end, and across multiple factories in China. And this is something that a lot of uh, international players, they don't uh, currently, uh, they, they, they think about developing digital services uh, for this uh, market, but they, they typically takes them longer time in order to roll this out because they want to make sure it's perfect when it's you know being rolled out. But where's the Chinese companies? They already started. So, yeah, I get that. Um, many strong, powerful competitors today. Uh, talking about digital transformation, and uh, it's a, a kind of innovation in many areas. And question to Chang Fang: Why to take uh, China as a field of uh, innovation for uh, European SMEs? And I mean, it's not enough just to innovate in uh, Straubing. <laughs> Ah, Changfang, you are muted, sorry.
Sorry about that. Yeah, so first thing is definitely like the Chinese customers, they are very, very open um, to digital technologies and uh, trying out new products um, uh, powered by AI and big data. Uh, also in uh, um, not just in consumer um, industry, but also uh, more and more in the industrial and manufacturing sector. Um, so, okay, so I, I'll give you an example, like last year in China in 2020, when the Corona started, it's not particularly in the industrial sector, but um, there, um, there are a lot of uh, uh, robotics companies, they are thinking about how they can uh, reduce the contact between humans um, in quarantine hotel. And so Alibaba, for example, they uh, took it took them, I think, a month or so to develop uh, delivery robots, um, which delivers meals and uh, um, towels and toothpaste and such things to the guest room who is being uh, in the quarantine hotel. So um, and uh, and then later on, uh, when the COVID situation became better, um, many, many hotels in China started to adopt such a uh, uh, robotics delivery for their guests. A lot of five-star hotels, um, they're already having this. And then looking into this year, um, a lot of restaurants also started to adopt this uh, delivery robots for the restaurant. Um, and um, so so basically the Chinese uh, companies and customers, uh, they're extremely uh, open to such newer technologies. Um, in Germany, um, I know a friend of mine, he also started uh, um, selling these delivery robots in the German restaurants because currently uh, what's uh, the pinpoint here is that they cannot find staff uh, because some staff already left during when COVID started uh, in the restaurant sector. So, um, so I mean, the, the reason to adopt Germany is different uh, than in China. In China, um, okay, there's a pinpoint to reduce human contact, but then people are also very enthusiastic about adopting such things. So if you innovate and develop some new product in China, you're sure gonna find you know, people who want to try out and like these uh, um, uh, first uh, like adopters and you'll find plenty of them. And then the secondly is like speed of development of product in China is uh, very fast. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, um, here in Germany, uh, usually companies will uh, develop and test and uh, for a long period of time until they're satisfied before they roll out. And in China, it's just much faster. So uh, for example, when Alipay came out um, to the market, it's not perfect. Uh, it is actually uh, has lots of bugs and also uh, maybe security concern uh, problems, but it doesn't matter. So the Chinese customer try it out and then they give feedback to the Ali and then they you know, improve the products over time. And now it's uh, like bulletproof. So, so many customers are paying using Alipay. It's not a problem anymore. So um, Chinese companies, and also if you are in China, you can co-create with your customer. Instead of developing something yourself for many years until it's perfect. Uh, so in this way, you can capture the market much faster. So, and thirdly, a lot of multinational companies already treated China as a innovation center rather than a production site, uh, as some of the um, panelists already mentioned earlier. So for example, Mac, uh, they invested uh, in a Chinese startup called ThinkSense, uh, specializing AI chips. Um, and uh, so, and then also like one uh, company under Continental Engineering, uh, it's called uh, Fitesco Technologies. They just this month opened a new R&D center in Tianjin in China. 
and uh, they will have like 500 employees there. So uh, a lot of multinationals already started treating China as a innovation center. And my previous employer, actually Kerber, Kerber in the area of machinery um, sector, they actually also were thinking about starting a China Innovation Hub in Shenzhen last year, but due to COVID, it's postponed. And lastly, uh, government incentives in China. So um, in 2018, um, the, the, the Tianjin government, they poured in 16 billion US dollar to set up an AI fund. Um, and in Germany, I read, I think uh, the latest number is that until 2025, uh, you, you're gonna have like roughly 5 billion uh, US dollar for AI innovation. So government in China is a big supporter of emerging technology and innovation. So you 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 for sure find so many different like industrial parks in China where they have different kind of schemes for uh, like German companies, innovative companies. So uh, you will get a lot of support from the Chinese government by going there as well. So. Yeah, thank you for your uh, uh, in-depth uh, introduction about uh, innovation power uh, in the Chinese location. And uh, we have a further question from Stefan. Uh, how to find a partner which are, is, uh, uh, are not willing to copy you later? Thank you. Changfang, any idea? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about technologies uh, and copying, um, of course, uh, there there is a risk there. I have to say, um, Hi, working. Uh, no matter who you're working with. So I would like to come back to the uh, question of how you can find uh, a, a partner that you can trust from human perspective, because uh, there are a lot of human beings out there, um, and uh, there are a lot of trustworthy human beings out there in each and every single country. Uh, so. Uh, and you know China is huge. Um, um, you, you may be able to identify ten partners, um, and I think the only way to um, really um, check if the partner is reliable and not going to copy you is to do a due diligence, uh, not just on a paper side, but on a, a human side um, by asking for referrals or uh, checking the person's track record, background, or the company. So um, there are many ways how you can do the due diligence. Like I said, uh, uh, I mean, paper side of due diligence is just one thing, and uh, um, but you need to also leverage the Guanxi network in China um, to check this. So yeah, that's my answer. Great. So uh, due to the limitation of the time, uh, we cannot answer the second question of Patrick, which uh, targeting intercultural team about uh, German and Chinese sales manager and German technical experts and so on. I'm not sure whether, uh, in which direction he is targeting between German and Chinese or between sales and uh, technical uh, engineers. Uh, but anyhow, this is a complex topic. We cannot deal with that uh, in the, within this meeting anymore. And thank you all also to other participants for your understanding to uh, extend the meeting uh, for one minute late before I hand over to uh, Neville. He has also important message to post. Neville. Yeah, thanks for another interesting and informative discussion. A note to the audience members, um, you can scan the QR codes uh, to get in touch with the experts directly on either LinkedIn or WeChat. And I'd also like to introduce another informative China team venture, and that's the China Hot Pod podcast hosted by Xiaolong, where he discusses topics in depth with experts in Germany and China, providing a tailor-made solutions. 
in his second, of course, in his second language, which is German. And it's available as usual on all major podcast aggregators. Also would like to inform you that a recording of the webinar will be available in both video formats and as an and as an audio. The video will be available on YouTube and the audio version podcast will be available on the podcast um, channel Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. And finally, let's switch over. And finally, the next China Team webinar is scheduled for the 9th of December and is titled How to Sell Better B2B Services in China. So follow China Team on LinkedIn, keep an eye out for the updates, and remember to tell your friends and colleagues of the value that you've received at the China Team webinar. So with that, I'd like to sign off and um, wish you all a very welcome, uh, all the best for the coming week and as we move forward. Okay, so goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great job, as always. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. Just in case you missed it, the next China Team China webinar is scheduled for the 9th of December and is titled Supply Chain Challenges 2022 for your China business. So look out for the Eventbrite registration that will appear in the next few days on LinkedIn.